Hello, everybody. I'm Babby Mason, and welcome. Welcome to Babby's House. I'm so happy that you've joined me today. I've got a great show prepared for you today. Dr. Michael Brown is the author of uh, a great book with a powerful title, Has God Failed You? Finding Faith When You're Not Even Sure God Exists. Uh, he, he is a great author, and he's the founder and president of Ask Dr. Michael Brown Ministries. He offers readers a real, honest, and insightful conversation as he addresses real struggles that many of us are facing today, and particularly with so much going on in our world today. He is a, he is a soft place to land, where, and he has a wonderful podcast where people communicate with him on an ongoing basis about some of the struggles that they're facing. Dr. Michael Brown, welcome to Batty's House, my friend. Oh, it is great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for having, uh, taking time out of your busy day to be my very special guest. Well, tell us about the inspiration behind your book. Let me announce that title again, because I think it's a great title. As God Failed You, Finding Faith When You're Not Even Sure God Exists. I mean, that comes from a very real place. So what was the inspiration behind the book? Yeah, we're seeing in recent years more and more leaders saying they no longer believe or they no longer believe the way they used to believe. We're hearing about more and more people dropping out of church. The younger generation in particular is, is struggling with, why should I believe in this God? Why should I believe in this Bible? And it's really at epidemic levels. And unfortunately, for many years, the church environment has not been an environment where people could come with their doubts and their questions so that you have people maybe even pastors and ministers. They've been doing this for decades, but inside there's this pain, there's this thing gnawing at them. Is, is it real? Is it true? And then you have others that maybe young people want to ask questions and, and people don't know how to give an environment where they're safe to do it. What? You don't believe me? They suddenly get challenged, so, so they suppress these things. They wonder yeah. about social cultural issues, you know, why, why, why are you so mean to my gay friends? Is that because of the Bible? You know, just things like this come up. And, and then the rise of, of the influence of the new atheists over the last decade plus, you know, 15 years or so, that seeped down. Uh, Josh McDowell, famous apologist, once, once told me that the objections that, that he ran into in, on college campuses, young people around 20 years old, he's now running into with, with young people around 12 years old. The influence of social media, the memes, yeah. the things, they, they just get out there. You know, you serve this, you know, Bronze Age God who's, you know, commits genocide and things like that. And then just the realities of everyday life. People pray and their prayers aren't answered. They're, they're sure, they know it, their kid's going to be healed and the kid dies. Well, you know, is it God even there? Is the Bible true? Is this real? So I, I felt it was necessary to address these things in an honest and candid way not to downplay the seriousness of the objections or the pain, sure. try to meet people where, where they are. Now, the other thing that's interesting is that I spent years working on a commentary on Job, and, and that further drew me into the pain and the question. And then my wife, Nancy, we met at the age of 19. I got saved at 16 and a half as a heroin shooting, LSD using hippie rock drummer. Nancy and I met at the age of 19, we're both Jewish. She was a hardcore atheist, I mean, really hardcore. God saved her and brought us together. But over the years, she sensitized me to how an atheist might see things or why some of my best arguments don't impress an atheist or how to relate to a Christian struggling with his or her faith. So I, I just felt time, it was time 
to get this book out and doing my daily radio show, I'm constantly hearing from people who are struggling, who are family members who've fallen away and, and we've, we've got to address these issues. And even though we know as believers that God cannot fail, many people feel as if he did fail. Hence yes, the title of the and that, book, that's God the point. We know that God never fails, but in some people's reality, they feel like God has failed. So I'm glad that you brought that out. Let's let's talk a little bit more about your your response um, in, in your podcast. Uh, you have live callers. You have people who are sharing their real vulnerabilities, their real issues, and their real life stories. And they ask questions like, you know, why did I get cancer? Why did my husband have to leave me? Why did my baby get sick? You know, why did I end up with this, that, or or whatever the the challenge may be, and they are looking for a soft place to land. How how do you begin to address their real issues? You know, what do you say to that person? Yeah, first we we take their pain seriously. We don't minimize it. We don't give a cheap answer. Well, praise the Lord. Romans eight twenty eight. All things will work together for good. Oh, that may be true, but there's yes. a time to share that. So yes. first thing is we provide a listening ear. And as I wrote the book, uh, it was literally as if I was seeing people's faces, the, the, the faces of people who had lost loved ones and prayed for their child or were in chronic pain or felt God disappointed them. It, it's like I felt the weight of that. So that's where we have to start. You know, Jesus himself feels our weakness and pain because he took on human flesh. So I, I want to start there. But then what I want to do is, is show them that God's word is sympathetic to these questions that these are the very questions that people ask in Psalms, in Job, in Ecclesiastes, the very questions that they asked and that God wanted in the Bible. So that's telling me something. You know, for example, I have a chapter asking the question whether prayer really works. And in Luke 18, 1, it says that Jesus gave a parable to tell his disciples to pray always and not faint, not cave in, not lose heart. That's telling me that I'm going to be tempted to cave in or lose heart, or there are going to be reasons for discouragement. So I want to start with a listening ear, but then say, you know, your story is in the Bible too. Your questions are in the Bible too. Yes. You know, the Bible is very real, um, and it speaks to us about the fact that Jesus empathizes and sympathizes with our pain, and he experienced every emotion that we experienced yet without sin. And so he is quite capable to empathize and feel our pain. Um, so as you're talking to people on your podcast or in public uh, appearances or maybe at your product table or whatever, they, they might address a certain issue that they're facing. Uh, I know that faith plays a, a huge part in uh, us helping to understand, you know, that there is a God who sympathizes with us, but how do you address the fact with them that, that how do you trust in a God that you can't see? Or how do you trust in a God that you can't feel? How, where does faith play in all of this? Yes. Yeah, so, so faith is not blind faith. Faith is, is that, that bridge that's going to get me into that other realm. You know, it's almost like there's a handshake in the dark, but then once you reach the hand out, you're, there's a hand that grips you on the other side. And I find that, that many believers had never really experienced God, and he wants to be experienced. 
it's one of the great lessons from the book of Job that, that God doesn't answer Job's questions, but he reveals himself. And when Job encounters God, he says, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. So one of the best things that we can do is help people learn how to encounter God for themselves. The word of God says that the God that we worship is a God to be experienced. It says that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Jesus calls us his friends. The word tells us that we can enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So a lot of people just have an intellectual faith or they were raised in a Christian home and they believe certain doctrines and tenets. We have to say that's the foundation, but from there, it's essential that you come to know God personally. And it could well be, as, as one New Testament scholar said, he's a great scholar of Greek and understood the doctrinal issues, that he didn't really have an experiential relationship with God until his son had cancer. And that's when he realized he had to find something different in God, that just knowing about him, knowing the facts, knowing the doctrines, that wasn't enough. And the same way as, as people who are married, we have an experiential, intimate relationship with our spouse. The same way as, as parents or children, we have a relationship with our family. God wants us to have a relationship with him because you know that when you really know someone well and things happen that you don't understand, it's like there must be a reason, there must be an explanation. But if you barely know them, you don't know if they're trustworthy or not. God wants to demonstrate his trustworthiness in our lives through personal relationship. And it could be that the hardship, the calamity, the loss, the difficulty is the very thing that will drive you to God, to know him in a way that you've never known him before. And as terrible as the experience and as painful as the loss, you could end up being a better person through it who then helps many, many others. And in the world to come, God could make up any loss that we've experienced in this world. Listen, I'm a preacher's kid. My father was a pastor for 40 years in the same church. My oldest brother's a pastor. My nephew's a pastor. We got a lot of preachers and pastors in our family. And so we grew up in the church. We grew up in the word. We grew up with a certain expectation, you know, of behavior and, and certain boundaries that we were supposed to live in and function in and you know, granted, just like every other family, a lot of us stepped outside of those boundaries, but we found our way back. But uh, in listening to your podcast and, and reading, you know, just following you online, I'm, I'm learning that there is a there's an uptick. There's a trend in uh, particularly in a lot of Christian families where a lot of the kids um, are, are abandoning their faith, at, at, as you said, in earlier and earlier ages. Is, is there a reason? What's the contributing factor in that? Yeah, there, there are quite a few factors together. One is that they're facing things no generation ever faced before with social media, with internet temptation, with, with other things, with exposure to all kinds of dangerous ideas. They're, they're getting hit with things that no generation has gotten hit with before. That's one thing. And That's also so we true. haven't factored that in. You know, parents might think, okay, I have to watch what, what kids, my, my kids hang out with, or they're hanging out with the wrong kids. You know, or or maybe think, okay, I want to watch, see what movies they're watching. But they're they're interacting day and night on their smartphones and in other ways with with a whole world of people that often put them under severe peer pressure and see things differently. That's that's one major major thing. Uh, another thing is is that 
there was often a lack of depth in, in this previous generation's Christian faith that we've gotten very warm and cozy in America. And it, it doesn't really cost much to follow Jesus in America. And there's not really a price associated with discipleship. And, and we've gotten casual. It's been kind of a convenience store faith. We go get what we need. The gospel is all about me. Jesus came to make me into a bigger and better me and fulfill my dreams. Came to make me happy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. If it doesn't make me happy, it's not from God. And so we've had a superficial faith. That's not going to get kids through the real world and help them really navigate these difficult issues. And then the church has been very politicized. White evangelicals in the last election really became known as the Trump people more than the Jesus people. That's really, and the, as the church has gotten more politicized, that's very alienating to the younger generation. And then they're very passionate about social issues and, and social justice and things like that, but they often don't have the larger picture. So they just look at the church as being mean to their gay friends as opposed to looking at the larger, excuse me, meaning of marriage and sexuality and things like that. And often we haven't been there to have the difficult conversations and meet them where they are. And maybe, hey, you grew up in the faith with your, your parents, they grew up in the faith with their parents, and each generation just walked it out. Well, it's, it's not happening now. It's not yeah. happening as easily. For many, it is, thank God. But for many others, it's not, which means there needs to be more intentionality. And, and when I wrote Has God Failed You, I wrote it for people of all ages, but I especially wanted to reach this younger generation if I could. And interestingly, sure. my, my, my number one demographic on social media is 25 to 34-year-olds. I'm 66, but I thought, okay, that's good to see that we're, we're reaching that generation and the, and the folks right before that, because they're coming with questions. And, and if we push away the questions, we're pushing them away. Piggybacking on that last question that you just, or that answer that you just gave us, Dr. Brown, reassure us, you know, there, there's a, there's a thought and there's a mentality, and maybe this is a generational thing that it's not cool to question God, that it's not, that it, it, um, that it doesn't show that you have faith. If you ask God hard questions, can, can you reassure us that that is exactly the place that we need to go with mm. the questions that we're facing. Uh, talk to us about that. Yeah, so there's one thing to be a grumbler and a complainer, right? That whatever God does, it's not enough, and you're never content. And like the children of Israel in the wilderness, always grumbling and complaining. So that's, that's sin. But asking heartfelt questions like the psalmist, how long, O Lord, will you abandon us forever? You know, I, I soak my pillow with tears. That's in the Bible. Yeah. And, and uh, I have a whole chapter in the book saying, what would Job say to us? And when I wrote my commentary on Job, this is the subtitle, Job, the faith to challenge God. And there's a fascinating wow. verse at the end of the book of Job, where after the Lord has rebuked him severely for, for Job calling God a monster and, and speaking about him the way that he did, there's an extraordinary verse. God then says to the friends, the ones that were giving the orthodox theology, that bad things happen to bad people, good things to good people. So Job, we thought was good, but he must be bad. God rebukes them. He said, I'm angry with you. And you have not spoken about me rightly as my servant Job has. Wow. What, in the, what is God saying? He calls him my servant Job three times there. That's yes. how proud of he is. 
that he is a victim. He's just rebuked him. But how did Job speak rightly about God? By challenging him, because he knew that if God was the God he believed him to be, that things shouldn't be happening the way they were happening. And if God was the God he believed him to be, that there somehow must be justice in God's universe. So people say that, that he fled from God to God, that he felt like I was oppressing him, but he knew God was the only answer. Yes. And, you know, I mentioned my wife, Nancy, earlier. Many a night she's cried herself to sleep. You say, why? Because her heart hurts for a dying world. And it's saying, God, you've got to show yourself. And, yes. and it's, there's something about it where if, look, to those who are struggling that are watching right now, if you didn't deep down believe in the goodness of God, you wouldn't have these questions. An atheist doesn't yes. have these questions. A because you, because questions. you know that there, God must have answers. I want to go yes. back to that that um, scene that I see in my in my mind of your wife in her tears. And listen, as a mother and as a grandmother, particularly in the last year, I have shed my own share of tears of what's going on in the world right now, and it breaks my heart. And I want to talk about the role that compassion plays in this. You know, there, there. I'm sure there are Christians. I've met them who say, you know, listen, get your act together, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, get your act together. Um, but there is a role that compassion plays in this. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Look, we all know there are times for the drill sergeant, right? And and what we need is a wake up call. Stop your pity party, and get up and do something. But there's another time when you tell someone, come on, get up and do something, but they're disabled. They're unable yes. either emotionally or physically to respond. I was talking to a national leader the other day uh, about this book. And this leader said to me, well, Mike, my position is if anyone ever fell away from the faith, their faith wasn't that strong to start. And I thought, oh, gosh. You got it all wrong. Can't you relate to when the bottom falls out, when everything that you believe was true doesn't seem to be true? When you hit a wall and it seems like God is ignoring you or is being cruel, you know, why is he allowing my son, my four-year-old son to be in day and night agony? And why is he withering away with leukemia? And how, how can I line that up with the God of the Bible? What that person needs right then is compassion for someone yes. to sit with them and cry together and say, I don't understand it either. But, but look, when I look at the cross, that's the full expression of God. And, and, God created this world knowing there'd be the suffering and pain, but then entering into it so that that was the only way to fix it. And he planned that from the start. Yeah. You know, they're, Christian, they're Christian leaders who say, I, I don't have answers for the questions, but when I look at the cross, that's what I need to see. And, and it's something that if, if we can get people to look to the cross, which is the full expression of the compassion of God, and God actually saying, for everything you've done wrong, I will pay for it in the most costly way imaginable. That God is not indifferent to me. It may feel yes. like it, but when I look at the cross, I know he can't be. And, and even if I don't get the thing resolved now, when I look at Jesus, I know to the core of my being, I can look him in the eyes, so to say, and know he's trustworthy. No, he'll never fail. He's already made that plain. And as I've been in the Lord now going on my 50th year, yeah, over the years, there are things that have happened that I can't explain. 
major prayer battles, you know, for healing or breakthrough that seemed not to have been answered and why this didn't change and that didn't change. And yet to the core of my being, without any question whatsoever, I know that I know that I know that our father is good, that God is good. And that to the degree that I put my trust in him, to that degree, he'll show himself strong on my behalf. Dr. Michael Brown, this is so, this is so good. And it really meets us, you know, right where many, if not most of us are living. Tell, tell us more about your podcast. Yeah, so I do a daily radio broadcast called The Line of Fire. It airs live from 3 to 4 in the afternoon, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. And we take calls during the show. Uh, and then folks can watch it live on our Facebook or YouTube channels. That's Ask Dr. Brown, A-S-K-D-R Brown. But then everything is archived on YouTube and on the uh, AskDrBrown.org website. And then there are various uh, outlets that carry just the audio. So we do a video feed as well. So there, there are various uh, iTunes and many, many other outlets where folks can, can listen to it. And uh, on the air, I'm introduced as your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. So one day we may be talking about politics, the next day talking about Israel, the next day talking about this book, uh, and then most every yeah. day we open the phone lines for calls so people well, can listen, call in. Yeah. Dr. Brown, listen, thank you so very much for meeting us where we're living and being a, a place where we can go, a safe place where we can go and ask hard questions. And uh, thank you for writing great books. We appreciate you being my guest today, all right? Oh, thanks for having me, really. Amen. You're, you are an amazing communicator and a, and a great encourager of those in the body of Christ and those who are seeking answers about Jesus. So thanks again for being with me. Thank you. Well, listen, dear friend, I want you to stick around because after this break, I'm going to come back with a word of encouragement just for you. So don't go anywhere. After this break, I'll be back with more of Batty's House. Stick around for more. Oh, my sweet friend, I'm so glad you came back to Babby's house for an encouraging word before we end today's show. I, I so enjoyed my uh, conversation with Dr. Michael Brown and just him reminding me that our, our, our encyclopedia, our reference, our lighthouse, our guide for living today is always in the word of God. And I was blessed to have a, a father, my, my dad, a great preacher and pastor who uh, based his whole life on the word of God. He was a great preacher. My dad passed away on a very significant day. My father passed away on March 4th, 1987. And so every March 4th, when it rolls around on the calendar, my family, we get together on the phone and even we post uh, things on social media, reminding one another and those that we uh, do life with to March 4th. As far as I know, it's the only date on the calendar that with a directive. It's the only date on the calendar that tells you to do something. It says March 4th, don't, don't fall, don't slide, don't slip, don't stagger, don't stumble, stand strong, March 4th. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. I love Philippians chapter, four, uh, chapter 3, verse 14. And it says, forgetting those things that are behind me, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that is my word of encouragement for you today. Don't quit, my friend. Don't give up. Don't give out. Don't give in. 
Don't give over your territory to your adversary, but march forth. Stand flat-footed. That's what my mom and daddy used to say. They're in heaven now. But they left us some marching orders. My daddy, even in his passing, is still preaching. And he says, march forth. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that's my encouragement for you today. Listen, will you do me a favor? Will you just stay in contact with me? We have given you some wonderful resources online. I want to encourage you to go to babby.com. Babby.com is my official website. And there at babby.com, you can find so many wonderful, encouraging resources. And do you agree with me that we need all the encouragement we can find today? And there at babby.com, you'll find beautiful books and, and music and there's also a listen live button right there on the homepage of the website. Click that listen live button and that will launch Babby Mason Radio. And there you can find beautiful music and encouraging words around the clock. Some of your favorite pastors and preachers and Bible study teachers can be heard every evening in their 30 minute Bible study presentation. So check out babbymasonradio.com. And if you're a writer, or a singer or songwriter, you can find great resources to help you stir up your gifts uh, so that you can use your gifts and your talents for the uplifting of God's kingdom and the encouragement of others. Well, my friend, thank you so very much for joining me today here on Babby's House. It's always my joy to come to you with encouraging words and great guests here on the show. Well, until the next time we get together, my encouragement for you is to keep lifting up Jesus, and I hope to see you again. Until then, may the Lord God bless you and yours real good. Bye-bye for now. 